Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. For companies to keep their best people after the worst of the COVID crisis passes and employees then start opening themselves up to new job opportunities, organizations need to demonstrate that they can provide an excellent employee experience. And a big part of that is support for mental and physical well-being. According to Gallagher's 2021 State of the Sector report, 33% of employers are discussing employee experience as a clear mandate at the C-suite level. The report also reveals that many employers have significantly increased their digital communication channels and internal collaboration tools over the last year. If your company hasn't already explored these options, it's really a good time to start. My guest today, returning to the show, is the awesome Chris Lee, VP of Communications at Gallagher. Listen as Chris and I discuss supporting employees and providing a first-rate employee experience during tough times. Here as well about some of the successful multi-channel communication strategies available to you. Chris, it's great to have you back on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Bill. I uh, was looking forward to coming back. So listeners, uh, often on the HR Chat Show, we start off with a tell us all about yourself question. But because Chris is a past guest, you can just check out that episode as well. Just, you know, control F Chris Lee when you go to the HR Chat feed. Um, instead, Chris, we're going to jump straight in with the hard hitting questions. Um, so the, the the recent report there from Gallagher, it, it brought up some pretty Pretty, pretty interesting findings. I want to start by asking you, how do employers feel about how they've been supporting their employees' well-being over over the past year since since COVID hit? The the, the reality is is that uh, employers create a rich breadth of different ways that they support employees' well-being uh, in general, uh, but because of the unique nature of this extraordinarily challenging year that we've um, we've all shared, uh, most leaders that we've been talking to have been really anxious about whether they're doing enough to support their employees' well-being. And um, I, I don't need to tell you, Bill, that mental health in particular, it's been on the radar. Um, when you think about what things look like right now, you have single employees, that might be living on their own with uh, limited social interaction opportunities. I have uh, you know, friends that live in high-rise condos, and it's hard for them to even you know, get on the elevator um, and still be able to socially distance um, and be able to go out even for something as simple as a walk. Uh, you also have employees that you know, are part of a couple, and uh, many couples are not used to being together with their partner 24-7 for such long periods of time. And so, um, you know, there are parents that are having to deal with having their kids as well at home uh, where their kids don't have activities. Many of the kids are being schooled at home virtually. Um, And so you take all of these unique elements and it's in addition to that, it's compounded by the unique demands of working remotely uh, and endless Zoom calls and companies having to uh, face the prospects of downsizing and in many cases having to actually go through this this terrible experience. Um, you know, it, it's no wonder that uh, most employers right now are feeling this level of anxiety that uh, 
we need to do more. How do we do this? So we're recording this episode today at the very beginning of April, and it's going to be going live in April. Chris, it just it just feels like it just keeps going on and on and on, doesn't it? We we you know we uh, we feel like we're we're getting to the summit, and then we find out it's a plateau, and then and then it just starts going up again. But there is there is light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what we have to keep reminding ourselves. And right now, we just need to make sure that we've got the support available uh, for, from, from our employers, from our HR teams to, to help us get through. But by taking advantage of every touch point to remind employees of, of one's well-being program, they will have a greater appreciation of, of your investment in them. For organizations, Chris, what has been the biggest challenge in communicating the value of their well-being support programs? You hit the nail on the head. Most organizations are making a substantial investment in how they support their employees' well-being. But in my experience uh, with a lot of employers, what I'm finding is, is very often to be, quote unquote, competitive in this war for talent, um, they, the, the typical approach is they're going to benchmark um, their benefits and uh, health and dental programs against how other com companies are supporting their well-being and then they present that the, these programs as a disjointed collection of different vendor experiences to their employees um, that they might be able to find in a shared server somewhere without a master vision for how it all comes together and uh, the inevitable result is that employees start to take their quote-unquote competitive health and dental plans for granted. It's hard for them to get uh, a good understanding of the breadth and scope of all of these different services that are available to them. Um, and they also have an, a, a hard time understanding when they they would use different support pieces. So they're not always able to appreciate the full value of how these services support their well-being across, whether it's physical health, their mental well-being, the financial security, uh, career aspirations. Uh, and that's a big opportunity, I think, for a lot of uh, organizations. How can organizations address the the noise and the clutter? How how can they rise above it? It really starts with um, having a a clear, planful, cohesive message of care and well-being across all of their programs. This is the biggest opportunities that em employers have um, to look to create a distinctive and memorable identity. And it starts with a plan, first and foremost, and a, a commitment to building a, a consistent and ubiquitous identity um, of well-being across all their programs um, and constantly reminding employees that this is how we support your well-being. And so once you start to give it an ownable identity, and this is really, frankly, the, the easier part of the equation, um, what starts to happen then is for employers, it allows them to put less emphasis on the individual vendors that they're partnering with and more emphasis on how overall the organization supports their employees' uh, well-being. And it becomes a bit more of an ownable program uh, and it allows them to use their own voice uh, in terms of how they communicate the different roles uh, that the different vendors and the different uh, well-being supports play. So um, a big part of how they address this noise and clutter to your question 
is starting with uh, just checking their own language, um, checking the vernacular that they might use and using more relatable and more human language. Um, especially in Canada here, we have uh, a number of organizations that have a lot of employees for whom English is a second language. And uh, quite often in our own industry, we might get caught up in uh, using language and acronyms like EAP or AD&D um, and using industry terms like reasonable and customary charges and things of that of, of, of that nature. And I think that's a, an area where there's so much opportunity to just start using a different kind of a language and one that sounds more like the language that Bill, you and I are using right now. Um, and that comes with uh, starting with this healthy respect for what is the employee experience. And um, another piece to this puzzle, in addition to the language that we use, is also um, the volume of content. The big thing is, I, I think too often uh, we have um, people who communicate and they, uh, the, the temptation is to be comprehensive with the content, which sounds like a, an honorable uh, position to be. You want to make sure everyone has all the information that they need. But um, when the content is too linear uh, and the volume of content is not kept in check, in the effort to be comprehensive, you, use, you lose the most important part of what's important about communication, which is it needs to be comprehensible. And it's an important distinction is um, making sure that the information that you're putting out there is easy to understand. Um, and one of the, the ways that um, this can be achieved, uh, especially in the noise of so many different types of uh, well-being supports and programs and vendors, is by reorganizing the offerings across more meaningful categories. So I, I just mentioned earlier about, you know, physical, mental, financial, and career well-being. Um, and I think this is uh, an easier to understand way to categorize em the employee well-being rather than basing it on, you know, which vendor or what industry offers what specific services. Um, and another uh, piece to this puzzle is thinking about the different ways that you can communicate to your employees and what kind of vehicles are you using. Uh, too often, uh, especially in this day and age where most employees are, are now working remotely from home, um, the email has become the weapon of choice. But uh, what that can lead to um, unintentionally is that the inbox and the, the company intranet start to become sources of stress because uh, there's no easy, clear way to organize and prioritize a lot of this messaging and content. And so um, that's another area where uh, organizations have a, a big opportunity to, to take a more planful approach and create for a more effective experience for employees. Well, don't give everything away just yet, Chris, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna tease you a bit more and get some and tease more information out of you, um, in just a moment in terms of multi-channel communication strategies. But before we get there, what what is the most important emerging trend in how employers support their employees? Biggest thing that I see happening, and it, it it's a it's an exciting time right now for HR teams across the country. Um, what's happening now is that there's a recognition that, you know, for most employees in Canada, the experience that they have in the workplace doesn't 
match the quality of the experience that they have just in their own pocket on your phone for example you know buying a picture frame on amazon or ordering chinese food or checking out the weather these are all highly evolved smooth enjoyable experiences and the question that we have to ask ourselves is how often does the workplace experience match the customer experience what are the different ways that we can start to look to create a consumer grade experience for our employees um, and some of my favorite lessons come from you know uh, the, uh, for example some of the world's greatest brands um, what are some of the lessons that we can learn about how apple approached uh, not just the technology that they offer but just the packaging um, and the way that they talk about their products are there lessons we can learn from walt disney about uh, revolutionizing the experience of going to a theme park with your kids. Um, these, you know, when I think about Walt, Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, these are all people who are strong visionaries, but they all took a lot of care and put in a lot of thought into um, examining every single step of the customer journey. And, you know, in Gallagher's state of the sector, um, it revealed that more companies than ever before are considering ways that they can create a great and meaningful employee experience from hire to retire. Um, HR departments are really starting to resemble uh, marketing departments. Uh, when you think about it, uh, we both have consumers. We both have a, a product that we want to promote. Uh, we both want to inspire loyalty and an affinity to our, our brand. Um, and ultimately, we both have a need to cr create a great experience so if you look at what employee experience is um, and up, we call it ex this is the new x this is the new experience and it's borrowing heavily heavily from lessons that we've learned from the customer experience or uh, in tech parlance the, the user experience and so if they haven't already bill hr teams now have to put this on their agenda of things that they want to commit resources to uh, for the sake of creating an unbelievable experience for their employees. And they have to ask themselves, how can they create this for, for their team? What partners do they need to help them build this plan? And what are the kinds of services that they need to invest in? Okay, well, I was going to get to this later, but I, I, I think it's the right time to, to ask you. We're, we're chatting to a, primarily an HR audience today, you know, talent professionals to leaders, um, not so many marketing people perhaps, um, but but you're you're a marketing and communications guy. Um, following up from what you just said there, what what, what goes into developing a multi-channel communication strategy to help minimize the overwhelming sense of of, of too much content, Chris? Maybe 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 at kind of a high level, you can talk through some of those some of those uh, marketing channels that one may, must make sure that they are they are managing and and uh, communicating through in in a regular way perhaps you can talk a little bit about who should be controlling what and how much is uh how much is down to branding and company values versus you know what what, what are the what are the stats telling you uh in terms of when and and how to communicate yeah in in the state of the sector one of the things that was revealed is that roughly 50% or half of organizations have put a channel strategy in place. And while it's encouraging, it's, it's still a little bit disappointing that 
more uh, HR teams and uh, internal communications teams are not putting more thought into developing uh, a channel strategy. And by channel strategy, what we mean is um, what are the different ways and vehicles that we have to communicate to uh, and create an experience for, for our employees? Um, and one of the real dangers that's happening right now is um, there's a lot of organizations that are relying too heavily on one singular mode of communication. Uh, and invariably, it's it's a one-to-many broadcast, top-down type of uh, proposition where there are very limited opportunities for employees to participate in the conversation. I mean, you never want to be that employee that uh, clicks on reply all to a message from the CEO to say, great initiative. Uh, and I think that's that's one of the, the, the kinds of things that we need to think of the different ways that we can create um, and flatten the communications hierarchy. And what are the ways that we can democratize uh, communications so that employees are empowered to have a voice and signal uh, opinions and thoughts about different things that uh, the company has been working on. Um, and so today it's exciting because there's a number of great social collaboration tools that allow for employees to play a more meaningful part in participating in this conversation, right? And it's uh, there's a lot of tools now that start to resemble some of the more familiar social media channels that we use uh, all the time. And I think these are the ways where it feels a little bit less intimidating to post a photo or to comment or just even do something as simple as uh, click on the like button uh, on something that's happening. And so depend. the reason why a channel strategy can be really powerful for an employer is because it gives them a chance to think about what are the different things that we need to communicate to our employees? What level of sensitivity does it require? How much input do we want from employees or what kind of an ability we want for them to be participants in, in the conversations? And how much do we want to inspire more dialogue amongst employees about different kinds of topics? And so this is how you start to create more engaged culture when you're giving them different opportunities to do that. I mean, the reality is there are some things that are probably best served as an email. Um, there might be different ways to connect with employees with a, a video message from the CEO. Um, there, there's any number of different tools in the toolkit that uh, we can use, but I think it starts with having that strategy, being thoughtful about what am I trying to do? What, am I, what kind of outcome am I trying to achieve with um, this communication? And then thinking about from a, across the different channels, what are the, A, what is the most effective way to communicate this? And also B, looking at the landscape of, you know, how many times uh, have, I, have I gone too often to this well of email or, um, you know, is this something that would be, uh, would make a lot of sense to talk about in our virtual town hall or um, uh, maybe this is a sensitive topic and I need to talk to or uh, provide um, and arm our people managers to have this sensitive conversation and maybe sit down one-on-one -on -one and we give them a toolkit so that they can have this conversation about what's happening. Um, but in 2021, um, there's all manner of different kinds of communications, uh, varying degrees of sensitivity, varying degrees of urgency, varying degrees of you know, crisis management. And that's where the channel strategy is really helpful because uh, it creates for not only a more dynamic experience, but then you also have messaging that 
comes across in a channel appropriate way. Um, and I think it's important for all organizations to take stock of uh, and do a, an audit of the different ways that they communicate with employees and be more thoughtful about when to use what channel. Um, hey, Chris, before we before we wrap up for today, uh, how can how can our listeners learn more? How can they connect with you? How can they learn more about Gallagher and how can they get a copy of the, the Gallagher 2021 State of the Sector report? Yeah, and if it's not evident, Bill, this is an area that I'm uh, particularly passionate about is helping organizations build a better employee experience. And so for anyone that is interested in uh, continuing this this chat uh, or if they have any questions, uh, I'd love to uh, brainstorm with uh, with with employers that are, are looking to evolve what they do with employees. So um, my email address is Chris underscore Lee. L-E-E at AJG.com. And uh, I would encourage everyone that's on this call to um, avail themselves uh, to a copy of Gallagher's 2021 State of the Sector report um, about different ideas to create a better employee experience. And so that can be downloaded for free at AJG.com slash State of the Sector. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I, I just want to throw in here as well. Um, I'm very happy to, to mention to you wonderful listeners that um, I'm working with Gallagher at the moment on producing a little mini series of podcast episodes, which we're going to be releasing together with the support of the HR Chat podcast and the HR Gazette um, later later this year. So watch this space on that one. There's going to be some very, very important information going to be shared um but that just leaves me to say for today chris lee you absolute gent it's been my pleasure to have you back on the hr chat show thanks bill it's been a real pleasure and listeners as always until next time happy working and please do continue to stay safe thank you for listening to the hr chat podcast brought to you by the hr gazette 